It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Andrew. Hey, Goldberg! I bet if that talk was a cheap, brother, you stop it. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. The ducks have become cake eaters. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. That's Kevin. Hey, y'all. <laughs> a little late. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks Podcast. We're back. We have another guest. I'm, I'm excited about this one. This one is a big one. We have Vincent LaRusso on the line. You know him probably better as Adam Banks. Vincent, thank you for being here. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. So this episode will come out actually after episode seven, but we're still reeling from episode six. Just take us sort of through that. How did you first learn that the old ducks were coming back and how did you get the call to join them? Well, I mean, it was, uh, it felt like a build a little bit. Um, There were a lot of anniversaries happening. I'll get all the numbers wrong, but you know, we had like the 25th anniversary of Ducks one. And then we had the 20th anniversary of the NHL team. Like there were a lot of things happening. We went out to Anaheim at one point and, um, and got together at a Ducks game. They did a, you know, they did a PR thing for the Anaheim Ducks. And it was all based around these anniversaries, which were all just, you know, it's been a billion years. Let's all gather again. So <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so it felt like a little bit of a build. And it had been mentioned in the past, you know, Ducks four was always mentioned and all this stuff, but, you know, after a while, it just seemed, you know, it just seemed like white noise. Um, but then I, uh, I don't really, I'm not in the business anymore. Um, so I don't have like a constant connect. I had an agent that I was, you know, friendly with through the years, but I hadn't spoken to her in, I mean, probably 10 years. And she shot me a text and she said, hey, you know, you're on acting breakdown. Uh, they're looking for you. And normally it says, you know, we're looking for a Tom Cruise type or we're looking for a, but the acting breakdown said they were, and I was like, that's very strange. Um, you know, if people needed to find me, generally speaking, they can, you know, like Steve Brill, uh, you know, who write, wrote the original Mighty Ducks and directed episode six, you know, he's got my information, Jordan Kerner, and people had my information. But anyway, long story short, she said, you're on there. And do you want me to connect you? And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, it's always worth a conversation, you know? Um, and they, we connected and, you know, they told me the story, this is what we're thinking. And, you know, we would have you up in Vancouver and we would shoot this episode. Nothing's confirmed. And I hung up the phone and I turned to my girlfriend. I said, you know, this, this isn't going to happen, but you know, who knows? It was was a fun phone call. And then, I don't know, it felt like within 36 hours, I had a plane ticket. Um, it just happened real quick. They made it, they made it happen. Wow. So as you mentioned, you're not in the business anymore. How did that affect your day job to go up and quarantine for two weeks and then shoot and do everything? You know, it, it's sort of a catch-22 um, because because of COVID, we were all working from home. Right. And I work in, I, I do food and beverage for a live theater group um, that, has, that has theaters all over the country. Uh, 
And so all of our theaters were shut. So I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the director for the nation. So I'm, I had admin work and stuff to do, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't upside down mm-hmm. and, and everything I was doing, I was doing from home. And, uh, and so when I asked my boss, you know, my CEO, I said, hey, this is what's come up. He, you know, he knows my history. I said, it's kind of exciting. I have to quarantine. So I'm going to be in the hotel room. I'll be able to work. Um, and they he was cool with it. He said, you know, you know, you got to log in and be available and take all the meetings you're supposed to, but you're, you're good. And, and what I mean by the catch 22 is the, the, the question would be, well, if it wasn't COVID, would you have been able to get the time? And the answer is no. But if it wasn't COVID, they would have sent us up for three days and sent us right back down. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like it lined up, you know, the fact that COVID existed, which means they meant a month, but it meant that I could, you know, do the thing for my job. So, wow. So did you know much about who else was going to be there? Did you know the plot? How much did you know going up there? I knew, uh, I knew who was going to be in it. I mean, obviously, when, when they first asked, you know, I, I, I keep in good touch with uh, Eldon and Garrett. Uh, Eldon, uh, one of my best friends my whole life. So, you know, we keep in touch. And I, I reached out to those couple people, those couple friends said, you know, what's going on? And people started confirming like, yeah, I'm doing it or yes, she's doing it or blah, blah, blah. And so I knew the list of people going up. Um, I don't think I had seen the script. I don't think they sent us the script yet. um, When I was headed up there. Uh, No, because we got it in the hotel. I remember reading the hotel. Yeah. So we, that was pretty much it. I knew who was doing it. Um, I knew there were some other question marks that might still be doing it. So I, I wasn't sure, but yeah, that was about it. Wow. So, I mean, just what was it like for you to be back, not only with all those sex, but acting again and acting with Emilio and, and everybody again? I mean, you know, the obvious answer, you know, the sort of red carpet answer is it was amazing. Everything was, you know, was great, you know, I mean, it, and it was, but, you know, it was, it was surreal. Uh, it was for, you know, I'm sure you've heard that word before. If you, if you interviewed, if interviewed any of the other ducks, like it was, it was truly surreal to have, you know, you don't really think of your life, even though you know things are far away, you don't think of things, at least I don't, in like that far away. You know, when my college diploma got 10 years old, it was like, wow, how did 10 years go by since yeah. I graduated college? It's just things, things just happen very quickly. And to have gone through a life where I always felt that even though it was so long ago, that it was within my reach, all of a sudden, it was such a smack in the face that it's been long enough that we are rebooting this idea. <laughs> That's how long it's been. You know, it's not just a long time ago. I mean, it's been long enough. We have another generation doing the exact, or, or you know, similar story. So uh, it was super surreal. Um, I think the, the one thing I, I keep repeating to people that that was significant for me was the fact that they rebooted it with new kids um, was like a time warp. Because not only are you going back and we're all like wearing the jerseys and, you know, reunion, that's one thing. But now there's kids doing it and you see, you almost see yourself back in time, like how excited they are. And none of them are like, you know, giant superstars. Some of them are doing very well, but like, you know, they're still sort of coming up and figuring it out. They're young kids. So it was, it was a time warp. It was the closest thing to a time machine that I, that I think I could see, you know, I wanted to run up to all the kids and say, you know, if this happens, do this. And then if this has to happen, do this. And, you know, you want to give them advice for their life. I feel like I'm talking to my younger self, you know? Was, yeah. was, was there any, uh, any one of the don't bother specifically that you maybe identified with a little bit more? Maybe you saw yourself as a young kid in them? 
No, I mean, listen, we, you know, we only shot, uh, we shot for three days. Um, so, you know, we had a, we had a blast. We all had some laughs, but I, you know, I didn't, I don't think I got close enough to find uh, the person or personality that I could, that I could, you know, uh, uh, get close to or, or see myself in. Um, but more than anything, it was just seeing, seeing them, like I said, seeing them, you know, some of them are at different little different points of their acting careers and, um, figuring it out. And, and you can tell they want to be confident about what they are, but you kind of know that they can't possibly be at that age. Like they're still figuring it out. Puberty was just around the corner and that is a whopper doing that, like walking on and off set and being known like, you know, for what you look like and how talented you are. And then it's so tough. That, that was the biggest one for me. I wanted to run up and just, you know, just, just grin and bear it through puberty. Cause all of a sudden, all these questions that, that you never had come up quickly. And when you're on camera and, and creating these other characters, it's a strange thing to juggle. Um, anyway, I go off yeah. on a tirade about that, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's interesting. I think we'll touch on that more in a second, but just real quick, what did you make of just Adam Banks being a public defender? What did you make of sort of the, the sort of background they gave him? I, I, you know, I thought I loved it. Uh, Br- Brill's genius when it comes to that stuff. He, he nails things uh, seemingly effortlessly. Um, and, and I thought that that was perfect. Like, I think it made sense that Banks had to, you know, get a job that would give him a good quality of life uh, from where he was from. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think he was going to go into nonprofit or anything. Um, but at the same time, that twist of, you know, I'm a public defender, I, I, I got to take care of the good guys. Um, I, I just thought it was perfect that it, that the, what he experienced with the Hawks to the Ducks and then that success of with the Ducks and, you know, seeing uh, the bad things that happened to him from the Hawks, you know, in the later games, like getting hurt and everything that he, he twisted that into like that stuck with him. That like, okay, I got to live this quality of life. I got to live the good life, but I got to do it in a way that I can sleep at night. And I got to do it a way that a duck's way, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people disappointed he did not make the NHL. There's some talk maybe the NHL before he was a public defender. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think uh, to be fair, um, I had heard that, you know, if they, if they were ever going to do anything with us as real characters, as, as, as men, as adults, that he would have been in the NHL. And that obviously I would have loved that. Um, I think it would have been a little bit of a harder buy if he's in the NHL and then he met at the pizza shop and then he goes to the, <laughs> I think that would have been a harder, like, you know, holistic story to yeah. if he was an NHL player, you know, but I, I, and that's why I think, I think the public defender thing worked, worked great. Got it. All right. Well, I do want to go back because it seems like you have some interesting thoughts on, you know, just growing <laughs> yeah. up. <laughs> in showbiz and that kind of stuff so how old were you when the first mighty ducks came out um i don't know 92 <laughs> would you like if, if it was 92 if it came out in 92 i was born in 78 so if it came out in 92 i was 14 yeah 14 so just how did you get involved in acting when you were younger and how did that whole opportunity arise so my father is a sort of forever actor, um, not an IMDb actor, but uh, he loved the craft. He he, uh, he got introduced to it sort of late in life, um, late teens, early 20s, and he got introduced to the stage. And he ran in and out of New York. Uh, he grew up in, in West Orange, New Jersey, and he ran in and out of New York, uh, going auditions and taking acting classes um, and just fell in love with it. And then, you know, he had one kid and then I was second 
So I think it, you know, sort of changed his, uh, changed his acting goals, but, but he always loved it. Um, and he, uh, he, he loved it to the point where he kept auditioning for, you know, small things and plays and he would do bit parts. And so he stayed up with what was called backstage. Um, I think it's still a company, but back then it was a paper. It was like a newspaper that came out on the regular. So he came up with that and there was an open call for the movie Radio Flyer, um, which eventually starred, um, uh, I'm so, COVID has ruined my, my, <laughs> my memory recall, um, from the, the Hobbit movies. Uh, oh. Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah. Eventually starred Elijah Wood. But anyway, it was a, much earlier than that. There was an open call. And, and for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it, it's literally just a simple breakdown of a character, you know, look and age. It's, and so the open call was, you know, boys between the age of six and 13. And so they had that open call at, at St. Bartholomew's in New York City. And my father asked me if I wanted to go in on some Saturday morning. And I did. And, you know, we stood in line for six hours and then four more hours inside. And I ended up never getting that part. But uh, that open call led to, I exaggerate not, probably 15 callbacks wow. um, all over New York. I kept getting called back in, meeting directors, meeting producers. They flew me out to California for a screen test. Um, for that part. And it, as I said, I eventually didn't get it. Um, but through all that process, I had met people and met other kids and, you know, met moms and people were saying, you know, I can introduce you to this person. And I, 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 I met a kid, Chris Jennings, um, whose mother uh, introduced me to Marianne Leone, who was um, st still in business as, as terrific talent in New York City. And she picked me up as a, as a child actor and I started auditioning and, you know, then, then it just became, you know, the regular thing, auditioning for everything and commercials and movies and, and the Ducks was, you know, one of those things. Yeah. So uh, we are familiar with the, the, the ballad of the original Adam Banks, who was, there was somebody else who was cast there and then he was like kicked <laughs> off the set and you got pushed up. So do you remember what you were like originally cast in uh, for the original Mighty Ducks? Yeah, of course. I was cast as uh, Lark, um, uh, Larson. Yeah, I was cast as Larson. And uh, if you, if I don't know, you know, this would be this would be really deep, deep trivia. Um, but Larson wears thirty three, and Lar so Larson wears thirty three because my father wore thirty three when he was in high school football, and mm -hmm. I chose thirty three when I was still Larson. Wow, Madam Banks. So that's why Larson wears 33 in the movie because I was originally cast as that. And, I, and by the time they switched that around and put that gentleman in, uh, he, he, it was, it was you know, the numbers were already set, jerseys printed. Yeah, that's incredible. But, that's uh, some deep trivia for sure. That's some real <laughs> deep trivia. We'll, uh, we'll get that to the bottom of the IMDb page and see if anyone gives it a thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, do you remember what happened uh, where you got the push up to being Adam Banks there? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember the positive stuff. I don't know exactly what happened to the to the actor, you know, what 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 happened there politically behind the scenes. I, I don't know what happened there, but I do remember, um, I remember auditioning for Steve Brill and Jordan Kerner uh, for the role of Adam Banks. I, I wish I could remember the sides, you know, because believe it or not, a lot of those old auditions. I remember the scene that I auditioned with. I, I auditioned for Terminator 2 before I had a manager and I remember the scene that I auditioned with. And, but that one, I don't remember. Um, I, but I do remember the room. I remember auditioning for Stephen Brill and Jordan Kerner um, for the role. And they were saying, you know, this role is open uh, 
um, you know, obviously I was 12 years old. They didn't give me any background to why it was open. They were just saying, you know, the role is open. We think we, you know, we think you might be right for it. And so I read and I, I don't think I had to read more than once. And that was, you know, rest is history. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, did you realize that this was like going to be a major, major thing? Obviously you can't predict, you know, 25 years later, they're going to reboot it. But did you realize that this was going to be a huge sort of blowout movie? I mean, you know, when? I guess that my follow-up question for that would be when. <laughs> did I realize that when? When I was 12? I mean, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, you know? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, we, you know, we're all just sort of, we're all just sort of moving along at that age. I don't think we had any idea it was going to be big. Even, you know, even when two came out, I, I don't think we realized that it was going to be a, as big as it was. Um, obviously, as time, you know, as time rolls on, you start realizing that things are big. But, you know, even... I went to college um, and, you know, people, people knew who I was. It was sort of like a, you know, it was a, a stupid rumor that people would pass around. It was, I don't think anyone was really floored by it, you know? Um, but even then, I mean, how would you think that it would last, that, that it would have the staying power in people's, you know, DVD libraries and now whatever libraries, their, their MP3 libraries that it did. Um, I'm... I'm fascinated by it. I, I'm I'm flattered by it. I, I I'm proud of it. It's uh, it, I have no. I don't think we could anyone could have any way of knowing something that has that kind of staying power. Um, especially, especially an ensemble cast. And I, I don't know. I don't know. And so you do uh, you do all three ducks, and you know, you know Banks is an iconic character, and you obviously got some iconic lines in there. The whole cake eater bit, yeah. you know growing you know kind of spending some of your formative years filming those what were what were some of the the more positive memories you had and then kind of on the other side what are do you ever think back to like you know how did this define my life and is there something else I could have done or you know where I am now I sleep under it every night yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh I mean listen the 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 without giving you generic answers, you know, the the positive, the positives, um, the positives were very simply, you know, experiences that were totally outside the box, totally outside the realm of a regular, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old boy. I lived in the suburbs. I went to a suburban high school and um, I, I like to think that the experience humbled me um, rather than the opposite. You know, I, 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 my mother, we we were doing PR at MSG one year. I don't know, remember after which ducks or what it was during those years. And she, uh, she came to my high school and picked me up because we had to, we had to go into New York City. She picked me up in a limo. And I remember I, I still to this day, I feel so bad about it because she was so excited to do it. And I was furious with her um, that she did it. And I was, you know, my whole point was I'm, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to go to high school. It's a regular high school. I've had these friends since I was five years old. Like I'm trying to, and I just knew that there's no way people were going to be enamored by it. There's, there's no way. Like I, people were going to grow fangs and I knew that. So um, the positive experiences were, were definitely always overlapped by um, what I would like to think was constant humility in, in, in the face of like, look, this could end at any time. And sure enough, you know, I, I, I ended it by 17 years old. And, uh, and that 
the the experiences were worth their weight in gold, but only as what they were, um, and that not you know carrying it on with me and it's not gonna it's it's not gonna be worth anything in in with tangible effects going into the coming years. Um, I don't know if that really answered your question, but um, but I, I guess to go back to what you were saying, you know, the positives were the experiences to be able to do things, to be able to meet people, travel places. I got to learn ice hockey like I would have never learned ice hockey. And it, it you know, I taught me that wherever you, whatever you do for that many days in a week and that many hours in a day, you can learn. Um, and, and we all learned in, in hockey camp, you know? So like I said, the, the experiences doing things and learning things that I would have never learned um, otherwise. And then, you know, the, the negative, if that, I don't know if that's the word you use, but yeah, was that, um, you know, it's a level of success. It's a level of, um, it's a level of validation that is real difficult to match um, going forward, you know, in regular careers. And, you know, we're all scraping along with, you know, salaries and paychecks and hours and bosses and responsibilities and duties and and the the idea of the you know the movie star the rock star um it's it's a it's a it's such a giant juicy chunk of validation that's really hard to find elsewhere in the world so you kind of did you come to that kind of realization when you were 17 you know about to graduate from high school what was the was there a watershed moment for you where said hey i'm, I'm done with this i want to be uh want to go on with my life no, you know, I, I'll be honest, uh, Jordan Kerner said to me, he was a, w one of the producers, um, w one of the main producers of, of Mighty Ducks, and he, he was, a, he was a, a good mentor and a good teacher, and he said to me, and I was very young, he said, uh, uh, he made a big deal about college, he said, you got to make sure you go to college, got to make sure you go to college. I don't remember how it came up in conversation, but I remember him saying it, and it stuck with me, and whether I believed it sincerely or not, I don't know. But somehow I just I just wrapped my mind around it, and I was like, "That's that's a thing." Like I look at that guy, look at how successful he is. This is all great, but I gotta I gotta take that as good advice. So, uh, coming in my late teen years, I had already struggled with um, owning the room uh, uh, in auditions and and such. Uh, as opposed to when I was younger and it came with ease, it was effortless. And then I, as I got into my 14, 15, 16, I struggled with owning the room. Um, like I said, puberty was a tough one to, to manage that whole thing. So long story short, you know, while I'm turning 16, 17, college uh, started getting in the way of uh, auditions. And there was a big trip up to, um, up to Boston where I was going to school, I went to BU. And um, there was the uh, orientation and it was in conflict with a huge audition. And I said, I wanted to go to the orientation. And obviously my father pushed back and was like, you know, I, I really think you should take advantage of this, you know, audition opportunity. And I was just uh, rightly or wrongly, whether it was the practical way to do it or not, I was just sticking to that advice. I, you know, I was like, I got to be a person. I got to go to college no matter what, like I can always act or I can always and that was sort of the definitive moment um, because I had already, like I said, you know, I pushed off commercials and I, I wasn't auditioning for commercials anymore. And, you know, like I said, trouble owning the room and stuff like that. So all that just sort of dovetailed into that moment of me skipping that. And then my manager, you know, at the time was just, you know, if this is going to be your way, then let's, you know, let's get in touch in the future. Um, and I said, okay. So, and then I, and that, that, that was pretty much it. I've dabbled since, you know, people that poke around, again, deep, deep trivia about Vincent LaRusso, the, the three people in the world that do that, will find, you know, strange things I did in college. And I kicked around LA for a while when I was bartending in, 
in the the mid 2000s and acted a bit and did a little but never never is the extent that I did when I was a kid yeah I mean did you think after you went to college like I'll give this a try or was that sort of set in your mind that I'm probably like done really trying to make a, a full sort of career out of this no I mean you know I always I'm, I'd like to consider myself an artist and I, I like the creative side. Um, I got into video editing and photo editing and all that stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to write and everything, but it was never, um, I was never stuck on whether it was going to be a career or not. Um, for me, when I dabbled again, it was about, you know, exercising that creative muscle and, and, and getting back to like, like at least trying something creative. Um, and, you know, mid twenties, bartending in Hollywood and it was just you know well I'll audition during the day and then I'll go drink at night you know it was it wasn't uh I, I didn't have my head down by any means in, in any facet that's Kevin's dream yeah man that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean as you kind of went on obviously you were always attached to the ducks you mentioned like people would bring it up like how much um especially sort of early on in high school did you get a lot of hate for it did people like you I mean no man I'll tell you I got you know super blessed I, I you know I've had I've had friends since I was five years old um I got along fine in high school no one you know I didn't get I didn't get bullied I didn't get uh tortured my house didn't get egged um I, I, everything went fairly smoothly. Um, and then in college, you know, I got some smirks and jeers and nonsense, but overall, you know, I made friends in college and those, some of them are still best friends in my life. Like, no, it really, it did not have a, um, it didn't have a negative effect on me at all, uh, going through, you know, years and years after. How many, how many times did you, uh, throw on the mighty ducks to try to impress a girl? Depends on who you ask. <laughs> what if we ask your current girlfriend i did it all the time <laughs> um but uh but no i mean listen to to be totally honest it, it wasn't um it's not really something that that i could bring up because then it, it just that breaks the egg you know what i mean like there's no way i go into a party and say i don't know if anybody knows <laughs> I was that then that's going to work positively for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how it works. But I mean, you're sure, sure you're walking around. Lines was impressed once or twice. With it, and and stuff. Yeah. What's that? You're walking around dropping DVDs on the, on the <laughs> coffee table and stuff, right. you know, hoping people discover it on their own. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I need a, a plant or something in there. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, like if I was in your high school, I'd probably call you a cake eater. Like how many times have you been sort of called that in your life? I mean, it's come up, but again, I didn't get jeered a lot. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get poked and prodded in high school. I, I, everybody, you know, sort of was okay with what it was. Um, and uh, yeah, I did. I, I tell you, I, I didn't. I mean, through the years, sure. And I, I actually played hockey in high school. I wasn't very good, um, but I, I really do love the sport. Um, and I played hockey in high school. And there on the ice, you know, I'd get a lot because the neighboring schools knew and. And yeah. being that I, you know, to go from Adam Banks to what I brought to the ice, there was a delta there. <laughs> so, they're, you know, easy to make fun of. But no, for the most part, I mean, really no issues. It, it was great. Yeah, that's a good point, though. Like, you have to live up to the Adam Banks talent level 
Uh, sure. I mean, every time I got checked, it'd be like, this isn't the movies, you know, or something, something <laughs> ridiculous, you know, but other than that, no issue. Yeah. So, I mean, you sort of mentioned like it wasn't something you brought up. It wasn't something that you, um, you know, was really like a driving force beyond that. Um, did you ever find yourself trying to distance yourself from this, I guess, previous actor life? Like, was it hard to sort of uh, let go of or I guess like kind of hide because you wanted to be something else I guess I'm interested in sort of the whole transition because uh, I think at a certain point we all sort of transition from what we think we're going to be into what we are yeah um no I don't think I ever pushed it away um you know I I think that no, I mean, the, the easy answer is no, I've never, I've never had to push it away. You know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that, it wasn't something that overlapped. It wasn't something that, that, you know, was an obstacle with the, with the choices that I made through the years, even now, you know, it's not an obstacle. It's not, um, you know, I, I, I remember, um, the late, uh, uh, see COVID and I feel terrible because he's passed. Uh, Dylan McKay, give me the actor's name to play Dylan McKay on 90210. Hmm. Um, I, I can see you Googling, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Mike, Mike's on it. <laughs> oh, uh, Luke Perry? Luke Perry, of yeah. course. And and my apologies, I, he's since passed, but and rest in peace. But I remember him saying um, as he was pursuing his acting in later life, that he had to distance himself, you know, from 90210, because that's, I mean, that's all anybody saw. So he had trouble like working around that. I remember, you know, I remember him saying how much he was, you know, what are you going to ask me about what I did when I was 12 years old for the rest of my life? Like we're, you know, we're growing people. Um, but I've never really had to do that. I've never really had to stamp my foot and say like, stop doing, because it doesn't cross over. You know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm interviewing for a food and beverage director, nobody's going to say, well, you know, what about Adam Banks? What happened there? You know what I mean? It's just, it, it doesn't, doesn't cross over. So I've never had to, I've never had to push it away. It doesn't cross that's, over until you come onto a, a podcast yeah. that's got <laughs> 250 plus episodes about this trilogy for whatever reason. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we need to apologize for asking you about what happened when you were 12 years old. No, I kind of feel bad now. I mean, it's listen, this, this stuff is, uh, this stuff is unique. I think it's fun. The episode just came out, so I'm happy to talk about it. You know, all this is this is cathartic for all of us. I think you know, and, and Garrett uh, Garrett Henson said that too. Um, that I forget the quote. It was great, so I'm not going to do it any justice. But he said something to the effect of that it was like this this uh, encouraged therapy for adults with like a huge past or something like that. And I was like, that's exactly, I mean, it was, it was right on. It was like, you know, we get to revisit it, celebrate it, leave it where it is, like all at the same time, all the things that, that, you know, like a therapist would have you do, we got to like do it all in spades, you know? Wow. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the things I think uh, Emilio said in his, some of his press tour was like, oh, this is like comfort food. And it's like, it kind of came out at a great time, like with, hopefully the end of COVID and we're all still working from home, you know, we're not seeing anyone really other than, you know, your, your significant other. And so I think that's just a great way to, to put it as like comfort food. And so do you kind of see the legacy as being one that is like, you know, Hey, this, you know, not really take it for what it is, but like appreciate it for what it is. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have to, you know, I have to remind myself. I kind of go cross-eyed about like why, why people are still talking about why, like, why is it? And, and to Amelia's point, it is, I mean, it really is comfort food. I mean, those movies, um, they, they touched people. I, I remember, you know, much younger age, getting the fan mail and reading what people, you know, reading kids start hockey and, or, 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 you know, give hockey even more effort than they were. Um, I think it helped keep, keep or place rollerblading on the map. Um, you know, I mean, and, and that, it says a lot for, for, you know, people spending their time and devoting their attention to something. Um, I think it means a lot for everybody. And, and I agree, Tommy. I mean, this is it's a great time for it. I think people needed a lighthearted laugh um, and not just one. We need a lot of them. Um, and, and I think this was definitely one of them for sure. One minor question on, on the episode. You were lock, rocking a little bit of a longer hairstyle. Was that a, just a COVID haircut or was that like a, a choice you've made here? No, I mean, you know, I, it, I mean, it was, it was partly COVID. Um, I have gone through, I go back and forth. I, lo- I really do love having long hair. Like if I ever win the lottery, that's it. Like it's going, <laughs> it's going down to my waist. I like having long hair. Um, so when I get the opportunity, I, I take it. I, I worked in the Caribbean for a long time. And when I was down there, I grew my hair long. And then, you know, after a little, after a while, you cut it super short. Um, and so I was just in one of those phases of having it long. And then when they had me do it, I was sure they'd have me cut it. You know, I'm still in like Disney mode of, you know, they're going to cut it. They're going to part it on the side. And you know what I mean? I thought they would Adam Banks me. But Stephen, to his credit, Steve Brill, to his credit, I, when he saw everybody, he was saying like, no, I want that huge change. I want you guys to show up, you know, like all crooked and different than you really. Like, it's perfect. So they let me keep the hair. So I was good with that. So I thought it worked. And I thought for Public Defender, it kind of worked too. So was, were there any jokes about you getting a lot of hair and Matt Doherty, who we talked to like an hour ago, like losing a little bit of his hair? Uh, no, not that I heard. All right. Well, <laughs> next time you see him, Feel free to bring that up. He'll appreciate it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we do this thing called the quack question where we have the listeners write in their questions and we pick the best ones. We try to answer them. So we told people you were coming do that. Did I hear you say you guys have done 250 episodes? Yeah, you'll be 267, I think. What do you talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of theories. A lot of theories. We have a whole backstory on about Hans and why he cared so much about this one specific hockey league and was it a front um, for some sort of operation um, that may or may not have taken out Gordon Bombay's dad (laughs) so yeah I mean Hans is really the master of mind behind all of this Um, love it Think about yeah. every like fan theory you've had when you've had maybe seven beers and you're <laughs> basically about to go over the edge. You know, that's basically most of the episodes, but about 30 are pretty good. And those are the ones that we talk to you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The original ones, uh, Kevin was pretty tanked for the first few, probably the first 10. And then Absolutely. we <laughs> we had to, you know, calm him down a little bit. But uh, Kevin, let's move on to the quiet question before we get ourselves in trouble. All right. Um, so first of all, I just want to say, uh, as excited as we are, I know our Quackalites are going to be absolutely thrilled uh, to hear from you because when we put out the call for Quack questions, 90% of it was them just swooning over you. So uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. Pocket. Um, 
but uh, we'll start off with this first one. Uh, Dave Dang on Facebook asks, um, uh, did you ever forgive McGill slash McKill for his cheap shot in D1? Um, are we talking fan theory or? Fan theory for this one. Yeah, we're talking Adam Banks. Did Adam Banks ever forgive McKill there? Yeah, for sure he did. Um, he, he, he forgave him. And, and, and I say McGill grew up with a good lesson and, and probably snapped out of it in his early teens. Wow. So we, we went the opposite direction for one of those fan <laughs> theories. Um, he's the subject of our annual Halloween episode where we talk about him being like a Michael Myers type of character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the McKill question. Got yeah, it. that's um, our horror movie series featuring the ducks. Uh, I, okay, so we have a few more. Um, this one comes from uh, Stevie Yanks on, on Twitter. Stephen Essenbarski at Stevie Yanks, yes? Yes. Correct, Mike? Okay. Um, uh, did you ever feel like the reason you didn't go all the way is, is that playing with the Ducks and stepping back to JV stunted your development as a player? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, think, um, I think that uh, that, was, um, that was a tough one for Banks. I think he had trouble wrapping his mind around um, hockey as a career at that point and probably started thinking about college. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, Eden Hall got him into a good college and, uh, he, and he went the law way. Um, but yeah, I think that that probably really stung him to go from winning essentially the Olympics to, you know, struggling to get on varsity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think maybe uh, if he... one, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, maybe if he stays ahead, with man. the Hawks, he makes it, but, uh, he probably is as... Adam Banks mentions in episode six, he becomes a better person with yeah. the Ducks. So maybe he's just an asshole, but um, actually makes the NHL. So, um, All right. What, one last quick question. Um, and this one comes from Cats fan in Ohio on uh, the Discord, who I think is gunning for the quick question of the year pretty hard. Um, but this one, I guess we'll, we'll take this one for you personally. Um, top three favorite cake choices. Sorry, I could not resist the cake question. Top three cake choices. Um, I mean, ice cream cake is up there. Mm. I would love a good, like an ice box cake. Um, I, I, I hate to do like a brand shout out, but I think the milk birthday cake is just dynamite. I don't know if milk is national. I don't know if you guys have the milk out there. It's, I've never it, had it. I've heard of milk. I've never had it though. It's dynamite. I mean, they're, I don't know if they call it birthday cake, but that's essentially what it is. Um, it, like truly great. Like the, the icing is not too sweet. Um, and, uh, and I don't know about another third cake, but um, key lime pie is probably three if I can put key lime pie in a list of cake. But if I, you know, when I'm thinking about top we'll three, we'll that's what it. comes to mind. Yeah, I like that. Going off the board. Uh, <laughs> excellent work there. So. All right, we are we are overtime. I don't know how this happened, but uh, we appreciate you coming on, Vincent. Absolutely, thanks uh, for having. Me. Yeah, good luck with everything in the future, whether it's ducks related or not. I appreciate uh, that. For us, thequacktech.com. Go there, contact us at quacktechpod on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash/quacktechpod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars, tell us your favorite cake choices, and remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack quack. 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 Got to be